You're listening to the Dungeons, Dragons, and Psychology Podcast. Without a doubt, your introduction is one of the most important pieces of writing that you will do for your story. Your players are gathered around the table. All their attention is on you. Everyone waits in anticipation as the world in which they're going to adventure springs to life around them as you begin to speak. You can feel the hunger in the air, see their deep breathing. Everything hinges on this moment. The first few words that you speak will set the tone for this tale. I'm Robert Walker, author of Session Zero, the DMG to writing great campaigns in any system, and this is my show, where I teach collaborative storytellers how to have more immersive campaigns using psychology. Now, as you begin to write your introduction, there are a few things that I want you to try and accomplish. First of all, it needs to familiarize your players with the setting that they're starting in and give a greater sense of the world. Next, It needs to be descriptive in the right ways to paint the picture for the players about what the location in which the first scene takes place and how that location fits in the the context of the story. And third, and finally, it needs to be long enough to capture all the information they need to start the game, but also it needs to be short enough so that the player's attention does not drift and cause them to miss important components of your introduction. So in order to familiarize your players with the setting, you need to capture the essence of your starting location. What elements are common knowledge to everyone who lives there? We talked a lot about this in uh, an earlier episode about how to ask yourself questions and answer them so that you have this information to start with. And how is how is the knowledge that they have reflected in their characters? So this begins with the all-important very first statement that you share to your players. This is like your In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit type of statement. This is the first paragraph Tolkien uses to go on and explain the setting of the hobbit's home, making the reader familiar with the setting as though you're in that home under the hill in Bag End. This is what I'm referring to when I say familiarize your players with the setting. You probably have more than one player, so simply describing the living conditions of a single character is not really that practical. But what you can do is you can create the same sort of familiarity with the setting uh, more broadly. If your first scene will be taking place in a tavern off the market square of a small town, you could say something like, at the edge of the large and empty grass market sits the Riverside Tavern. The market is always empty like this when it's not market day, but that doesn't stop the tavern from being full and rowdy each night as the sun descends. You can see that in just a couple short sentences, you can convey a lot of information about the place. From there, you could go on to describe the type of scene that is typical to the tavern each night, who the NPCs that everyone's going to know are, what sort of songs the bard is performing on the stage, which can also set the mood for how the first adventure might be springboarding out of. There's so many quick but vibrant details you can use to make the place seem familiar especially if you use words that enhance familiarity. Speak of characters that you describe in terms of their nicknames. Use terms like familiar, routine, typical, or usual as descriptive words, and they will psychologically add that sense of familiarity to your players. These things will trigger them to start the experience with the feeling that it's well known to them. This 
flows right into being descriptive in the right ways. Spend enough time on your descriptions to make things familiar, but do not try to be overly descriptive about unnecessary details. It's fine to say that the tavern is crowded, but you don't need to explain exactly how many people are there or exactly how the tables are arranged unless it's of particular importance to the story. Most people don't walk into a tavern and count the number of people or the number of tables in the place, so you shouldn't give your players things they wouldn't notice in their real life in the first place. Being descriptive in the right ways paints a picture of the experience. So try and include a description that appeals to as many of the five senses as you can, as well as a sense of the underlying feeling of the setting. What do the characters see, hear, smell, taste, and what do they feel? You don't want to go overboard with these descriptions, but you can usually capture almost all of them in your introduction. In our Riverside Tavern example that I just gave you, you could go on to say something along the lines of, Tonight is no different from most. The crowded common room is filled with laughter and a sea of different conversations. To set the mood of old Derv strumming one of his most popular and yet overplayed songs, the familiar scent of meat pies and candle phlegm hangs heavy and leaves a faint haze in the air. The party sits crowded around a small table on their wobbly wooden stools as a blushing Katie delivers their supper. Once again, Maven has used way too much garlic. So this example is probably a little shorter than one that I would write for an actual game, but it does hit most of the elements. I might add a greater sense of the world with a blurb about conversation that the party overhears from the next table. But remember, being brief enough to keep your players' attention focused is important. Most current studies in psychology suggest that the maximum attention span is somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, and I would urge you to err on the side of caution in this. Shoot for a more conservative estimates of attention span and try to keep your introduction piece to 10 minutes or less. By the 10-minute mark, you need to refocus the party's attention and get to the point where they can start to interact with your introduction. Now, if you find that you're going to need more than 10 minutes to do your introduction, a good alternative is to give your characters um, moments in your introduction that they can interact with it. This can be accomplished by having the players give descriptions of their characters throughout the introduction. Changing speakers like this will give you the opportunity for a longer introduction, since a change in speakers or a change in topic can sort of reset attention spans. I typically find that by the time I am done writing this brief but long enough to include all of these elements introduction, that I have maybe a full page, a page and a half of typed material that I'm sharing with the players before they start interacting. And as I also mentioned, sometimes they are interacting along the way. They are giving the descriptions of their characters, uh, and if the party is meeting each other for the first time, which if you've listened to my show, you'll, you'll know that I don't really like that idea. I like them to have ties to one another uh, before the game starts because it sort of creates party cohesiveness from the get-go, but we talked about that in previous episodes. But as your party is getting together, give them the opportunity to also add to that sense of familiarity with one another. If they know each other, let them interact and sort of act out what sort of relationship they have there as part of that introduction. But then another big piece of being introduced to your world is getting introduced to the first time to your non-player characters, your NPCs. 
over your campaign, they're going to have hundreds of interactions with your NPCs. This is every character that exists in your world that is not the cast of main characters controlled by one of your players. It can include monsters as well. So while your players get to focus all their acting on maybe one or two characters that they're controlling, you have an entire world of individuals that you have to bring to life. It's a monumental task, but it's so important for making your world believable. So if every interaction that your players have with an NPC feels the same, they'll never get the sense that your world is vast and varied. This is why part of my introduction is always going to be introducing them to a couple of key important NPCs right off the bat, somebody that they get to interact with, and typically more than one, so that they can feel that there's different people in your world. It might have crossed your mind as to why I'm putting this in the same episode as writing your introduction, which is a fair question because a lot of people probably do build a number of NPCs before introducing their players. And sometimes I will have my NPCs in place as well, but probably most of the stories I write, I'm creating NPCs as the players are meeting them. I'm personally quite comfortable doing this because I've had a lot of practice with it, and I suggest that you learn how to do this as well. But that said, if this level of spontaneity feels intimidating to you, then by all means, flesh out a handful of NPCs prior to your introduction. But if you do want to build out some initial NPCs first, I would suggest that you practice improvising NPCs on the spot. It's sort of uh, rapid creation. This is what will help you really become a very versatile dungeon master. So for creating NPCs as your players meet them, two of the most valuable tools will be a notebook and some sort of NPC tracking sheets. Notebooks are valuable for scribbling down notes, things that happen right in the moment, like when you improvise an NPC as the player meets them. And there are countless free NPC tracking sheets available on the web for you to download and print. The way that I use these in combination is to make quick notes in my notebook when characters first meet an NPC. I jot down details like their name, where the characters met them, any special characteristics they have, like did I use a certain voice or a certain speech pattern. If this NPC is going to be further utilized for the campaign, then between sessions I will transfer them to an NPC tracking sheet and flesh them out a bit more. I mentioned characteristics like voices and speech patterns. Now, special characteristics are what are going to make your NPCs feel unique and dynamic, and they're going to give a sense of the world not being a whole bunch of the same person. There's an infinite number of ways that you can combine special characteristics, which means that there are an infinite number of unique characters you can create for your world. And the way that I try and combine special characteristics is by making a combination of accents that I feel comfortable with, uh, speech patterns that I come up with, and other unique characteristics like repetitive sayings or mannerisms that the NPC would use. Now, you might not feel comfortable using accents at first. I strongly recommend learning at least a few. Giving NPCs different voices can add an enormous amount of believability to the character and your world in general. And there are dozens of voice actors on YouTube who have detailed videos to help you learn accents. And even if that's not your thing, you can still have an infinite combination of speech patterns, sayings, and mannerisms. Something as simple as a character who always replaces the word you with the word ye can add a lot of depth to the interaction and make the NPC feel unique. Maybe you add a, a catchphrase or a phrase that the NPC frequently uses, something like, well, you didn't hear this from me, and 
mannerisms of always looking behind themselves whenever they share information with the party. And all of a sudden you have a unique NPC that the players are going to remember, and it's going to feel like a unique individual. There are charts in most of the source books that you can roll for random NPC characteristics. There's also some awesome NPC generators online that you can utilize if you need just a couple quick ideas. I like to think of NPCs as very quick versions of player characters. Each important NPC needs to have a backstory, goals, and something to tie them to the world. I'm not saying you need to write paragraphs or countless numbers of NPCs need to be fleshed out, but at least think about what their motivations are. If their motivations are plot-centric, then you should at least make notes on your NPC tracking sheet so you don't forget them later. There can be an endless number of motivations and goals and histories that they could have. Again, this adds to the uniqueness and adds depth to their character. But one final suggestion I'll give you on your NPCs is to find suitable character art so that your players can see when they're interacting with an important NPC. This doesn't need to be done for every NPC, but if they're going to be recurring, I recommend having an image ready. This adds to their uniqueness and it adds uh, immersion for the players who are seeing a portrait. They know who they're talking to. It sort of gets you out of their head and puts that new image in their mind of this is who I'm interacting with. Now, in your introduction, I will say one more thing about NPCs. I typically, by the time I am writing the introduction, I have a very good idea of my character backstory and how they fit into the world. So one thing I will have fleshed out, and I would suggest that you do as well, is a couple of NPCs that they will act interact with in that very first session that you already know are going to be quest givers or important plot elements or have a tie to the character backstories. These NPCs I don't make up on the spot. So in the introduction, I typically include anywhere between five to ten NPCs that the players either know of, have heard of, or have some sort of influence in their life so that they can start that introductory session, session one, with having some NPCs that they already know they can go interact with and you have placed in your world and have ready to go. That's how these two ideas tie together. And that's the time when I don't improvise the NPC, I build them out. It's right there for that introductory session. But after that first session, or if they veer off during the session one and they want to go talk to somebody else who I didn't have planned, get ready to improvise. That is one of your most valuable tools as a dungeon master is improvisation. Let's go ahead and move on to tricks of the trade. For tricks of the trade today, I want to talk about what is that first plot hook that you're going to use in your adventure? Once you've given them the introduction and the players start interacting with each other, you're going to have to have something that hooks their attention and breaks them away from their sort of normal mundane life that they typically live. And I think the best way to do this is something that would disrupt the status quo. So if you are characters who are, you know, thieves who live on the streets in a large city, Something that would disrupt their status quo could be being tracked down by another thieves' guild or something like that. Or if they're farmers, you've seen this in fantasy writing a whole bunch of times, like a stranger comes into town or monsters attack the village and they have to defend it. But anything that sort of breaks up the way that they have been living to this point, 
that is your springboard into the river of plot that you have awaiting them. Now, next week's episode will be focusing mostly on that first adventure, but let's just give you a couple ideas of plot hooks to use possibly for leading into that. So my first idea, let's say that your party is set in a city and they get roped into having to help put out a fire that has started somewhere in the city. At the end of this sort of exciting encounter, they realize or uh, guards realize that it was the city museum that had been burned and they believe that several key magical items have been stolen and secreted away somewhere. So they are looking for volunteers to help track down these items that have gone missing. If instead your starting scenario is in a small village or a small town, one that I like to disrupt the the common life of the players that doesn't actually seem like it's an imminent threat is for a merchant or a traveler to come through town and need assistance moving to the next town because their guards had been uh, gone missing or had been killed along their way to this town. So they hire on the party to protect them on the next leg of their journey. A third idea that I have yet to use in one of my stories, but you are welcome to use in yours, is think of the idea of conscription. Uh, the party is conscripted into a world that is at war to go fight for whatever kingdom it is that they live in. And then you can have them sort of torn away from their families, put on this adventure that they're sort of forced into. And uh, you can have all sorts of things happen along the way. You can even deal with the, the effects of if they decide not to enter the military and instead hide away or sneak off. This sort of has a Stormlight Archives uh, sort of beginning feel for me, but I think it would be a lot of fun. So feel free to take those ideas and use them, and let's go ahead and head on to our knowledge check. For today's knowledge check, we go to the Gamer blog at thegamer.com, and it is a blog post titled Dungeons & Dragons, 15 Best Ways to Start a Campaign. This article gives 15 great ideas for not just the setting, the opening setting, but also sort of the adventure hook and what the characters are going to be doing. I'm just going to go ahead and share a couple of them with you, but I will leave a link to the article in the show notes if you want to look through it and find any of the additional ideas that are in there. Uh, one of them, number 13, is Doomsday Cometh. So it is a, another lazy day in the backwater town of Riverdwell, or at least it was until an interstellar gateway opened up above the village and a spaceship looking like a shell with tentacles comes out of it. Departing the ship is a small contingent of mind flayers who effortlessly levitate above the startled townsfolk. They have come to deliver a prophecy. In one year's time, they will return and enlighten all of the townsfolk by turning them into members of their colony. So this leaves the party with some very interesting plot hook that they have to either stop this prophecy or move the town, or whatever way you want to take it, but I think it's a very unique and interesting plot hook that they put in this story, and it uh, could be put into a town, it could be put into a city, you could sort of use that one anywhere. The next one that I want to look at is the tavern. It is a cliche beginning for many games, and it is a very popularized introduction to campaigns, and it's great for characters who are comfortable with role-playing, sitting around the table, getting to know one another, talking in character, 
but not all players are as skilled as roleplay. And if you have new players, using the tavern might not be the best scenario. But if you do have a group of players who are comfortable doing their own character introductions, an NPC thrown into the tavern is a great way to sort of give them that free moment to explore their character personalities. And lastly, let's look at the troop of catastrophe strikes. This can be something like a meteor falling from the stars and crashing into the center of town, or a group of orcs start raiding the city or the town that they're in, and things just erupt in a cacophony of catastrophe. Uh, a portal in the sky could open up, revealing a hellish landscape as demons start pouring out. Whatever catastrophe there is, it's a great way to hook your players' attention and immediately get them out of their humble beginnings forcing them to respond and act during that first session. So feel free to grab these. Like I said, the link will be in the show notes if you want to check out the other 12 ideas that they have in there. That's a really great article, and there's a lot of information if you're struggling to find a starting point for your campaign. That is all for today, Cyclith. Thank you again for joining me. Like I said, next week we're going to be talking about running that first adventure, getting your players basically from your introductory scene to the conclusion of their first adventure. As always, give us a follow on Instagram, dungeons underscore dragons underscore psychology. There's a link there to our link tree with all of our other socials. And please, if you like the show, give us a shout out uh, on Instagram. You can jump on Apple Podcasts and leave a review or on Spotify and leave a rating. Uh, all those things help bring new listeners to the show. I'm actively seeking new people to interview right now. So hopefully in the coming weeks, we're going to have some new interesting people on the show. And I'm also got a few people who we had in season one who are going to be returning. So look forward to some interviews coming up soon uh, and talking about some fun new topics. As always, we will see you next session.